0: Leviticus chapter 6, remain standing. Praise God. Praise God. The sixth chapter of Leviticus, beginning to read with verse 8. My sermon topic tonight is, The Fire Must Never Go Out. Leviticus chapter 6, beginning to read with verse 8. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, "...command Aaron and his sons, saying, This is the law of the burnt offering. It is the burnt offering because of the burning upon the altar all night unto the morning. And the fire of the altar shall be burning in it. And the priest shall put on his linen garment, and his linen breeches shall he put upon his flesh, and take up the ashes which the fire hath consumed, with a burnt offering on the altar, and he shall put them beside the altar. And he shall put off his garments, and put on other garments, and carry forth the ashes without the camp unto a clean place. And the fire upon the altar shall be burning in it. It shall not be put out. And the priest shall burn wood on it every morning, and lay the burnt offering in order upon it, and he shall burn thereon the fat of the peace offerings, the fire shall ever be burning upon the altar. It shall never go out. You may be seated. And I direct your attention to the ninth chapter of Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 9 and verse 24. And there came a fire out from before the Lord and consumed upon the altar the burnt offering and the fat which all the people saw. They shouted and fell on their faces. We sing songs like the fire of heavenly love is burning. It is burning in my soul. Pentecostal fire is falling. Praise the Lord. Let it fall on me. Send the fire, send the fire, send the fire. In the Bible, fire is a symbol of the power and the presence of God. The text that I've selected for tonight in Leviticus chapter 6, verse 13 states, the fire on the altar must never go out. In the third chapter of Exodus, verse 2, God appeared to Moses in a fire where the bush was burning but it was not consumed. In the 13th chapter of Exodus, verse 21 and 22, God appeared to the nation of Israel in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. In the 19th chapter of Exodus, verse 18, Moses went up on Mount Sinai. And the Bible says Mount Sinai was altogether on a smoke because the Lord descended in a fire. In Deuteronomy chapter 4 and chapter 5, there are 14 references to fire on Mount Sinai where Moses received the Ten Commandments. In 1 Kings chapter 18 verse 38, we read where fire on Mount Carmel fell and consumed the sacrifice that Elijah was making. It burned up the sacrifice, the wood, and the dust and the stones and licked up the water in the trenches around the altar that had been constructed there. In the sixth chapter of Judges, verse 21, fire rose up out of the rock and consumed Gideon's sacrifice that he had offered before the Lord. In verse 16 of that chapter, we notice that fire was the sign that Gideon was looking for. Do you know most people don't even know that? The only sign they know that Gideon asked for was the fleece where all the earth would be dry and there would be water in the fleece and then reversing it that the fleece would be dry and all the earth would have water upon it. But in the same chapter you'll find the fleece mentioned in verses 36 through 40 and that was not a sign of the presence of God. That was a sign that God was going to deliver the Midianites into his hand. The sign that Gideon asked God for to prove that he was talking to God and not a devil was the sign of the fire. And he made an altar and prepared a sacrifice. And the Bible says fire came up out of the rock and consumed the sacrifice that Gideon had made in chapter 6 of Judges, verse 16. Numbers chapter 11, the first three verses, the people were complaining about their leadership and fire fell from heaven and consumed them. In Leviticus chapter 10, verses 1 and 2, Nadab and Abihu offered strange fire and fire from God fell and consumed Nadab and Abihu. The 16th chapter of Numbers, verses 33 through 35, Korah, Abiram, and Dathan were swallowed by the earth and 250 princes were consumed by fire that came out from God. In 2 Chronicles chapter 7 verse 1, the seraphim flew to the altar and took a live coal from the altar of God and laid it upon Isaiah's lips. In Jeremiah chapter 5 verse 14, God says, I will make my words in thy mouth like fire. In Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 9, God said again, I will not speak anymore. Jeremiah said, I will not speak anymore in his name. But then he said his word was like a fire in my heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones and I could not forbear. In Jeremiah chapter 30, 23 and 29, it is stated, it is, is not my word like a fire. In 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 11, Elijah went to heaven in a chariot and with horses of fire in the midst of a whirlwind. In 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 17, Elijah's servant was shown a mountain full of horses and chariots of fire that consumed the Syrian host where Ben-Hadad had come down against the prophet in order to destroy him, but God protected them with chariots and horsemen of fire. In Matthew chapter 3, verses 11 and 12, John the Baptist pointed to Jesus, the Lamb of God, and he said, He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And in verse 12, he said, He will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. In Acts chapter 2, verse 3, cloven tongues, like as a fire, fell upon each of them, sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Praise God. I've read to you tonight from the book of Leviticus chapter 6 where God gave the commandment to Moses that the fire was to be placed there and was to be continually burning and must never go out. They were dedicating the tabernacle that was constructed in the wilderness. And with all the paraphernalia, with all the elaborate provisions, the curtains for the walls and the tent, and the golden candlestick, the table of showbread, the ark of the covenant, the mercy seat, the cherubim over the ark, and outside the tabernacle, the brazen altar, whereon there was fire that must never go out, for thereon must the burnt offering be made. And God says, don't ever let that fire go out. He assigned priests to it to see that they would constantly put wood on that fire every morning and offer the burnt sacrifice and burnt offering unto God. We turned to Leviticus chapter 9 and verse 24. I did this for a purpose tonight. The original fire that was placed at that that altar did not come from man. It came from God. I want you to read it again. Leviticus chapter 9 and verse 25. 24, there came a fire out from before the Lord and consumed upon the altar the burnt offering and the fat. If you will read those few verses and the chapters there between chapter six and chapter nine, you'll discover this is a continuous story where God gave the commandment in chapter six, the fire must never go out. There was no fire there yet. And in chapter nine, verse 24, the fire came. Where did it come from? It came from God. And God says, I'm sending the fire, but you are to keep the fire burning. You are to see that this fire must never be put out, must never go out. It shall ever be burning upon the altar and never go out. In verse 12 of chapter 6, priests were assigned to burn the wood on it every morning. Now, I thought about that and I chuckled a little bit to myself. The business of the priest, the business of the preacher is to keep the fire burning. We didn't create the fire, but we are charged with the responsibility to see that it keeps burning. I read to you from the book of Jeremiah, those verses which God spoke to Jeremiah and said, My word in thy mouth shall be a fire. And one day Jeremiah got discouraged in the ministry and he said I'm not going to preach anymore. I'm going back to my other profession and I'll forget this business of dealing with people and he said I tried to forbear but he said this thing was like a fire burning in my bones and I could not forbear speaking. God says my word will be like a fire. You see the fire came out from God and priests were charged with keeping it burning. All they had to do was keep heaping the wood on the fire and see that it never went out. They didn't bring the fire. The fire came from God. Preachers don't originate revival. They just help to keep piling on the wood and keep stirring the hot ashes and the coals and keep stirring up God's people and provoking them to remembrance and stirring up their pure minds by way of remembrance that the fire will ever be burning. When fire burns, it consumes wood, hay, stubble. What was it that the priests were to lay on the fire? Wood every morning. They were to put wood on the fire. That's the part of our life the Lord would like to get rid of. I read to you from Matthew chapter 3, verse 11 and 12, where John said, Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Ghost. And in verse 12, he said, He will consume the chaff, with unquenchable fire, with unquenchable fire. He's talking about the fire that burns in Christians, that fire that will consume the chaff, that will burn up the wood and consume the dross and the chaff, that which is of no consequence and of no credit to the kingdom of God and is not edifying and does not produce good fruit, that which will not bear fruit, he says I will burn that wood and that hay and that stubble and that unquenchable fire of God my beloved friend is not eternal hell that's not torment in this case but it's the fire of revival burning in the hearts of Christian people to purify, to sanctify to help them to walk in dedication and consecration to God. Amen. This kind of fire must never go out. Revival fires did not come through an organization, did not come from man. John Wesley did not bring the revival. No other mortal being brought revival. This fire came out from before the Lord. This burning is of God. I read to you from Leviticus 9, 24, the original fire in the tabernacle, and later it was transferred to the temple. That fire came out from God. Brother... As as Gary preached this morning, Jesus is building the church. He is the foundation, and other foundation can no man lay but that which is laid in Christ Jesus. And it is his church. He started this business. He initiated the fire. He kindled the fire. The Holy Ghost and fire fell on the day of Pentecost. Cloven tongues like as a fire fell, and God wants the fire to ever be burning. It must not go out. We didn't start it. We better not see it end in our lives. If it does not continue to burn in us, God will see that it burns somewhere else. The fire must never go out. When God saw that some organizations would not permit the work of the Spirit in their midst, when God saw that formalism, when education, when all the modernistic Theories began to sweep into some denominations, and they were not going to continue on a steadfast path of following the Lord. They have just been moved aside to make room for an humble people who would simply yield to the power of God and let God have His way and let the fire burn. And let the fire burn, burn, burn. The fire must burn. Strange fire must never be offered. Strange fire, fanaticism, false doctrine, erroneous teaching must never be tolerated. Some people make bold, brash statements. I'd rather have wildfire than no fire. You can't prove that from the Bible. I read to you where Nadab and Abihu were consumed by fire from God because they dared to offer strange fire at the altar of God. The fire that God wants to burn came out from God. Not out of man, not out of a seminary, not out of a book, not out of something that man initiated but came down from God. That's the only kind of fire that God wants to burn. We don't want false teaching, we don't want false doctrine, we don't want fanaticism, we want the genuine fire of God that burns, It burns, It burns and does not destroy. That fire of God burned in the bush as Moses stood there and he pulled off his shoes because he was standing on holy ground and the bush was not consumed. The fire that God will let burn will not destroy us. It will purify us. It will bring forth the purity, the holiness, the blessedness of walking in the Spirit and living the Christ-like life. Strange fire must never be offered at God's altar. In Second Chronicles chapter seven and verse one, we read where Solomon was dedicating the temple. This was the tabernacle that Moses was ministering in. Later, the tabernacle, which was a tent, was done away with. When they got over into Canaan, into the Promised Land, they were in a permanent place of residence. Now, then, the tent was folded, and the Ark of the Covenant was transferred from that tabernacle that had served them in the wilderness journey to the temple that Solomon built. What a lovely edifice it was. What lavish surroundings. What a marvelous piece of architecture. It was built according to the pattern that God showed to Moses on the mountain. Where did the pattern come from? There must be an original. If there's a pattern, the original is in heaven. It was patterned after a design that God has in heaven for a temple. And Moses wrote down and copied those directions, and then later, after the tabernacle had served its purpose, God gave to Solomon the pattern similar to the tabernacle, but with more permanent structure, and gold, and silver, and acacia wood, and erected the permanent temple. And then he began to pray, and to offer a dedicatory prayer, the seventh chapter of Second Chronicles verse one records the end of that prayer. And it says, when Solomon had made an end of praying, the fire from heaven came down. Praise God. Beloved, that fire was not new. That fire came down on Mount Sinai when God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. The whole mountain was burning. God then sent down cloven tongues of fire in the tabernacle for the altar to be ignited and that permanent fire to be continually burning before the Lord, same source of fire. Now then, once again, while the tabernacle has served its purpose, the temple is now on display. God sends some more of that heavenly burning. And down into the midst of his people, the fire fell. And it was so powerful that the people fell on their faces. They could not stand to minister. The priests could not stand to minister. Read it in 2 Chronicles chapter 7. The heavenly burning was taking place. Thank God for that kind of fire. In 1 Kings chapter 18 verse 38, Elijah was on Mount Carmel. And the prophets of Baal and the prophets of the grove, a total of 850 men had assembled against him, 400 prophets of Baal and 450 prophets of the groves. And he gave them the better part of the day. They cut themselves, went through weary dances, and tried to call down fire on their sacrifices. And way over in the afternoon, he, he taunted them a little bit and teased them. He said, well, maybe your God's on a journey. You need to scream a little bit louder. Maybe just do a little more antics here. Put on a little better show because he, he'll, you'll get his attention. He'll be back in a minute. And finally, here's this simple man with faith in God, front and center. He's on the spot. He offers a short prayer to God, a few words. And for the glory of God and the honor of God's name and to to maintain his integrity before these people, God sent a thunderbolt of fire that burned up that sacrifice, consumed the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up all those gallons of water, hundreds of gallons of water that had been poured on the sacrifice and ran down in a trench around that altar. A prayer brought the fire of God down. Same fire, same fire that we see earlier in the Bible. There's no new fire. Brother, the fire that we need today is the same fire that's always been burning. We just need the manifestation of that fire in this modern-day church. We need the fire of God to burn in our personal hearts and in our lives and in this local congregation. On the day of Pentecost, when they prayed, they'd been there 10 days. I'm certain they did a lot of praying, and I believe that helped to initiate this action. And suddenly a sound of a mighty rushing wind filled all the house where they were sitting and cloven tongues like as of fire sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Brother, if we will pray, if we will set aside 10 days, if we will do what Jesus said, wait for the promise, do not depart from Jerusalem, tarry in this city till you be endued with power. If we will not be satisfied with programs and committee meetings and buildings and dinners and all the things that we try to promote with, if we will contend, if we will wait before God in prayer, we'll see the fire fall. Glory to God. It takes prayer to bring revival fires. We must pray. Brother, there's no cheap substitute for prayer. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 8, the story of the ten virgins. Five foolish virgins came to the five wise virgins and said, please give us of the oil because our lamps are gone out. That's in verse 8, Matthew chapter 25. Our lamps are gone out. Brother, I want you to know God says, don't let the fire go out. Don't let this fire go out. But there are a lot of Christians today who have to sadly testify, my lamp has gone out. I remember a song they used to sing back in the Brush Harbor days. And oh, how sad, oh, how lonely it would be if the light has gone out in your soul. Well, there are people tonight that have put the light under a bushel They put it under a a canister. Cut off the oxygen supply. and You see the candle flicker. Growing dim. Dimmer. Dimmer. No oxygen. Lift the jar up and you see it fan. The flame fan. And and soon there's a bright light again. Put it down. Cut off the oxygen. And the fire goes out completely. And their son tonight, that flame has gone out in their life. There's no testimony. Their life is like sounding brass and tinkling cymbal. The love of God is not in their life as it has been. Now there's bitterness. Now there's strife. Now there's antagonism. Now there's resentment. There's all kinds of works of the flesh that love does not ever display because they have cut off the oxygen supply of the word. God says, my word will be like a fire. You want fire in your life? You're not going to find it down at the Colosseum. You won't find it in the Gator Bowl. You won't find it out in the ballpark. You won't find it in front of the television set. You won't find it except when you get in this book and let his word burn in your soul like a fire. There is nothing that can ever take the place of God's infallible and eternal word in your life. You can find substitutes, but they'll burn out. They won't last. Somebody said that some Christians are like Rip Van Winkle. They've been asleep so long, they don't know anything's going on. And in the midst of revival, they come to long enough to realize that something is happening. And they see revival, and they get involved for a little while, and then they go back to sleep again. And they never know what God is doing because... Fire of God is burning in the hearts of those who will allow His Word to burn in their heart. My Word will be like a fire. It will be like a fire shut up in your bones and you can never forbear saying and speaking and doing and and living the way He wants you to. You know, this cheap substitute for reality tonight is appealing to the flesh. People like the product. Because it's really dressed up and sounds so nice and it's so easy. We live in a push-button age. And everybody wants an easy way to talk in tongues, an easy way to get healed, an easy way to have prosperity, an easy way to be victorious. But brother, I'm going to tell you something. There is never any substitute for the Word of God. Nobody can come and speak words over you when you won't dig out the word for yourself. Nobody can pray prayers over you when you're too lazy to read this Bible. Oh, sometimes God acts in such wondrous mercy and love And he heals people and does things for people that are so totally undeserving. But I'm talking about an ongoing relationship. You need God more than just for a spare tire. You need him more than just for emergency sessions. When you pull and say, oh God, I need you right now, come on the scene. He needs to be on the scene at all times. And the only way he's gonna stay on the scene in your life is his word living inside of you. You leave the word of God out of your life and you're not gonna be in victory. You're not going to have revival. You're not going to have the blessing of God. You're not going to enjoy good health the way that God would have you to enjoy good health no matter how many men with gifts, all nine gifts and some extra ones too come along. In the book of Proverbs chapter 26 and verse 20, there's a, a verse that is often misunderstood. Where no wood is, the fire goeth out. That's a logical deduction, isn't it? My wife often quotes this to me. When we hear about a little trouble, a little rift somewhere, you know, and somebody's talking the way they ought not to be talking, and people saying things they ought not to be saying, and she'll say, Well, now remember, the Bible says, Where there's no wood, the fire goes out. So don't add fuel to the fire. Let that one burn itself out. (laughs) That's one application. I receive that completely. But there's another application. The fire in your life will burn itself out if it does not find a way to extend itself. You heap up a little pile of wood here and ignite it and it will burn brightly until it consumes all the fuel. When the wood is burned up, if you don't keep adding to it, it's going to burn itself out. You think you made a trip down to this altar and took care of everything once and for all. You don't need to worry about anything else as long as you live. There are areas of your life that the fire needs to keep burning in. God says, don't let this fire go out. The fire shall never go out. And when your life has burned up all, the fire in your life has burned up all the wood, the hay, the stubble, the chaff, there's another way to keep that fire burning. Fire that does not extend itself will burn itself out. Christians, when they have received from God if they do not turn their eyes to look on the fields that are white already unto harvest, the fires of evangelism will no longer burn in their life and soon the fire will simmer down and burn out and there won't even be a hotbed of ashes. You can't stay in victory unless you have a burden for souls. This church cannot have continuous revival if we don't have evangelism if we don't want to reach the loss, if we're not concerned about this great metropolitan city, if we're not concerned about the tens and hundreds of thousands of souls that are on their way to a devil's hell, to a Christless eternity without God, if we're not concerned about the people in the dark continent of Africa, if we're not concerned about people in India, soon the fire will burn itself out because we do not continue to have places for it to burn. I believe it's a proper prayer that we pray that God will never let the sun set on the ministries of Evangel Temple. That we will minister around this earth. If we turn inward and we get selfish and we have a little bless me club here, and we come together to get edified and we groom and we prim and we we just oh we were so pretty. We brag on ourselves and. And, you know, I I really get worried because a lot of testimonies give credit to Brother Wiggins and to the staff. And, and you know, we we really do have a mutual admiration society. I get up here and brag about you and you get out there and brag about me. Somewhere in this, we want to brag on Jesus. And somewhere in this, we want to see the destitute people that need to be brought in here. That maybe they are not so pretty. Maybe they're ugly in their lifestyle maybe they're smelly with the contamination of sin in their life but there's the area where the fire needs to burn and help that person find the reality where we struck fire fire that does not extend itself will burn itself out 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 13 the bible says the fire will try every man's work what sort it is i'm not even going into that tonight because that's a sermon in itself But I read about a Texas evangelist who was preaching a revival in a church and he was really coming down. He was preaching hard. He was shelling down the corn. The pastor called him off to one side and said, hey, you're going to have to put on the brakes a little bit. He said, brother, God didn't call me to be a brakeman, but a fireman. And I believe tonight that we've got to have preaching that strikes fire. The priests were charged with putting wood on the fire. God sent the fire. The priests were charged with keeping the fire burning. And if a preacher doesn't get down to the level where you're living, if he doesn't provoke you to a better life and a closer walk with God, he's not worth his salt. John the Baptist was a burning, shining light. A burning, shining light. He was God's wood chopper. And the ax was laid to the root of the tree. (laughs) Praise God. John Wesley said, If the church will get on fire, the people will come to watch you burn. I believe that tonight. If we want to do more in this city, if we want to build a great church, let's keep the fire burning. Let's get on fire and it'll attract a crowd. There's something about a fire engine. Even as young as Shannon is, two years old, we passed a fire engine. She said, what was that? I said, well, that was a fire engine. He's going to put out a fire. She said, let's go see it. (laughs) Brother, we get the fire burning here, people will come to see it. People will want to know and When they come to see it, they'll feel it. And something will happen. Praise God, their, their life will be revolutionized because fire will burn. We need the fire. God, send the fire. Send the fire. And let it be dispersed in a thousand tongues over all this body of people. And let us become flaming torches of evangelism fanning out over this great metropolitan city that God let us live in. You know, it really doesn't bother me a whole lot about people's desires and whims and ideas about this ought to be that way and this ought to be that way. What matters to me is if we have God's program of evangelism reaching the lost, these altars being lined with people getting saved and that being the main business of this church. Other things are secondary Healing lines are secondary. Salvation of lost souls is number one. Christ came to save the lost. And in the process, he also provided all the other benefits. Thank God. I'm so glad he did. Praise God.